Welcome back, ladies, gentlemen, and others. You're listening to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast, the podcast worldwide by Woody Allen fans, for Woody Allen fans. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Donald Wonder, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, with the most, 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 James Daniel Walsh. Welcome back, sir. Glad to be here. Glad to have you, buddy. So, it has been an interesting 30 or so days between recording. So much has happened. James, before we actually start talking about the movie we're going to be doing for Woody Allen adjacent, let's talk about some just outside stuff. There's some stuff I want to bring up, some stuff you want to bring up. Mm-hmm. Woody Allen, as most people know, fans specifically, Woody Allen has a new film coming up. I think he's taken longer than the year to actually produce this movie. And his last couple of movies have taken a bit longer with all controversy, blah, 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 blah. But James, there's been some developments with this movie. Would you care to tell us what those developments are, as, as far as you know? Well, it has been submitted to Cannes. Uh, somebody there said that it is it is his best film in years. And the title apparently is Coup de Chance or Stroke of Luck. I saw online that, you know, some conflicting information that it's been released it's going to go straight to videos only going to be in select theaters and go straight to video now we were saying that if the movie comes out we're just going to review it as quickly as possible but because the distribution and release it just seems all over the place a bit up in the air i personally think that we won't be seeing this movie in the release form until like the year end maybe i don't know what what do you think i think it'll probably Depending on how Cannes goes, it'll probably follow the same progress that uh, the previous couple of movies have, where it won't get a theatrical release in the United States. I don't know about the UK, but it won't. It won't here. I'll end up buying a French version of it probably, and maybe like a year or two years later, it'll get a DVD release on mm. uh, in the United States, just like Rifkin's Festival and. Uh, rainy day in new york did but uh yeah i have a feeling it's going to be uh, unless unless uh you can put on an eye patch and a pig leg and go out looking for it um i have a feeling it might take a while for to get our hands on it well listen whoever's listening you can correct me if i'm wrong i think it was a rainy day in new york when he um woody allen started to have the legal issues with amazon about the distribution I believe someone just, I, I believe he just pull it, I don't know if it was him or someone on his team, just pull it online for free. Someone said, download the movie, watch the movie, because we don't know when it's getting an official release. And I'm hoping, obviously, we don't condone piracy, even though some of us might do it. And still, <laughs> <laughs> we don't condone no, it. Really. Well, but the difference is, though, that we would absolutely buy the physical copy of it the second it came out. Sure. And if if it got a theatrical release, I would go see it in the theater. But uh, yeah, at least I mean, and the French are going to get it because this is a French movie. The French still like Woody, uh, which is why I'm sure it will get uh, picked up and, and shown at Cannes. But uh, yeah, as far as the the US and UK go, it could take us quite a while before we get any kind of official release here. Yeah. But all I can say is rest assured, everyone subscribed, really appreciate it. As soon as the movie does come out, me and James will make it a priority to get the release, the the review out there. 
no matter what our schedule, release schedule's like, we'll just pull it out ASAP. But again, I'm not holding my breath to see this movie until autumn. That's my guess. And it does have, I mean, I'm very interested because apparently Woody has called it a spiritual successor to Matchpoint. Hmm. And even given a little plot synopsis, which uh, it says here, charting the story of two young people whose bond leads to marital infidelity and ultimately crime. So it does definitely sound like a, you know, wouldn't be a Woody Allen movie unless somebody cheated on somebody else. <laughs> and uh, but and I am a little bit concerned because he doesn't have the best track record in the f- last few years with directing young people. Although maybe this one, you know, I, I still I could not stand Timothy Charlemagne and Selena Gomez in mm. Rainy Day in New York. I thought. I don't even know if it was their performances. It was just his dialogue coming out of their mouth sounded bad, wrong. Maybe this one will be better with it. The movie is in French, but uh, yeah, I, I, the fact that it's getting at least a, a little uh, early buzz as far as being one of his better movies makes me interested. I, I still don't like the French only audio release first. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that colors the execution of the movie on a whole, you know? And I wondered how he directed it. I don't know if Woody Allen's actually a fluent French speaker or if him and Sunyi have been learning over the last couple of years. Could be. I I really would like to hear why he did this, actually. It might just be that, I mean, he can only get movies made abroad anymore. So Mm. this might have just been easier to say, okay, I'm making the movie in France. I can't get any Hollywood actors in it. So I'm only going to have French actors. Instead of making them speak English, I will just have them speak French. And then he would have a translator on hand to help him direct. That would be really weird. (laughs) Uh, He might might speak another. I mean, uh, there was a part uh, in uh, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Sex where it was all, I think, in Italian. Oh, it was Italian. Him and uh, was that Diane Keaton? Was that? I think so. And it, he, he, I was surprised at how uh, fluent he was in it. So he might speak French. All right. You, you know what? That's a good callback, James. You know, it's a great callback. So we'll see. But I have faith. I do have faith, and I think it could make it could actually make the film more enjoyable. It could just the tone could be really that much more authentic. So I mean, I, I, it could not possibly be worse than Ripken's festival <laughs> yeah that i would put way down on my list of woody allen movies but yeah uh, he's got a pretty good track record when it comes to thrillers it's funny you should say that and i have to shout this out because we had a very long reply on our cassandra's dream discussion from someone on youtube where they were saying this is one that why do people hate cassandra james this is one that woody's best and, you know, as I said in the review, I really liked the movie until the ending, which I thought just got ridiculous. Yeah, it's that that one is uh, it's good until it's not. Yeah. But Matchpoint is brilliant. The Martin Landau half of Crimes and Misdemeanors is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so he, he can do this. And I I think maybe. What did the one he did with Rocky Phoenix again? That was kind of a thriller as well. Oh, yeah. The Rational Man. With yeah. him and Emma Stone. Uh, again, not bad, but then near the end, it started to taper off. I think this time, and I don't, this time, maybe more than any point in his career, he might have something to prove. 
Mm. So instead of just sort of throwing it off, which I think that's what he's been doing for at least since Blue Jasmine. He might just be like, you know what? This could be the last movie I ever make. It's my 50th movie. Yeah. And I've been taking a beating and I want to go out strong. I know he doesn't see it that way at all. <laughs> Probably not. I would, I mean, it's definitely, I'm, I'm putting definitely how I would feel about sure, it. Sure, yes. Um, yeah, how we would, how the normal director would feel, not the yeah. nonchalant, doesn't give a shit about anything at all. I'd be going into this like, fuck all of you, I'm making the greatest <laughs> movie of all time. There you go. Uh, how you like me now. There you go. So, <laughs> I, but you're right, Woody probably wouldn't think that way. Yeah. He's hoping, though. I really do have a bit, I want to say high hopes, but I feel like we might get a pleasant surprise. I hope so. Yeah. On that note, I want to go to my thing, which is, ob- is I'm going to say it's obtuse. Now, the next five or six minutes before we get to the review, I just want to say a lot of people might phase out right now. But talking about current world events, chat GPT. The AI assistant tool that has taken the world by storm. Why am I talking about this as part of this podcast right now? It's because creatively, I'm seeing a lot of other podcasters use it as a very interesting tool. Especially, well, let me just say, for those of you listening who have no idea what the fuck chat GPT is, it's an AI assistant tool created by a company called OpenAI. And basically... You know, if you've got a uh, Amazon speaker or Google speaker where you say, you know, hey, Google, and then it asks you, what can I do for you? Ask you questions. It's like that times 10. It's very, 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 very useful. (laughs) You can pose questions to it. It can create letters for you. It can go back and forth for you. It's just a very creative tool. I fell down a rabbit hole of using it to do interesting things. Now, regarding this podcast, how we can use it, I'm not quite sure because some people, one or two emails came as a, a suggestion. Now, I'm going to throw one. This is not something I would do because it's a little bit weird, but you can ask ChatGPT to write a story for you. Then you could ask it to write it in the style of Woody Allen, for example. But you can also feed it a story, a story you've written, and then you could tell it to tweak it adding elements. So anyway, someone said, what if you told it to write a different ending for a Woody Allen movie using AI in the style of Woody Allen, an alternate ending, if you will, and then us to have a discussion about it. Again, it sounds a bit off. It sounds a bit weird, but I'm really excited for um, ChatGPT. Google have announced their own version of this as well, which is called BARD, B-A-R-D, which is early access. And again, you're seeing a lot of images being created by this um, AI-generated images, original art. Um, but the creative space is really exploding with this as well. Podcasters are using it in very interesting ways. So, listeners, don't be surprised if we use this in an entertaining way. I think what I'm always trying to make things more entertaining, so it won't be anything dry. It'll be fun and funny. And stay tuned. But if you listening have any idea of what I'm talking about or any creative ideas, how we can use ChatGPT or Google Bard with the podcast to make some interesting Woody Allen content, 
then get in contact with us. Uh, you can use the email planettyro at gmail.com, but also I'll put a link tree link down below. You can tweet us and send a voice message, woody.voicemail.com. But just, just follow us down in the comments below and let us know. But anyway, that was a massive digression. We should do a separate podcast just talking about other shit. <laughs> I, you. I think, you know, we already discussed we would do that as well. But for now, we just make this episode a little bit longer because the movie we're going to talk about today is quite a, it's kind of a simple one in a way. But I have a lot to say about it. So on that note, James, well, last time we spoke about LA Story, which was your recommendation. But uh-huh. this time we had a recommendation from a listener, which I truly appreciate. I will get his name during the recording because right now I've got like 10 windows open and I can't see his name right now. But he recommended a movie to us by um, Edward Burns, who is the director, called The Brothers Mullen. Is that the movie, James? Brothers McMullen, yeah. The Brothers McMullen. But instead, I wanted to pivot and talk about this movie, which is apparently part of his Long Island trilogy. The Brothers uh, McMullen, this movie, and then, and then a third one is part of like a trilogy. We're going to talk about all three movies. How about that? James, what's the movie we're going to be talking about today? Today, we will be discussing what is the middle film in that trilogy. She's the One from 1996, starring Edward Burns himself, Cameron Diaz, and a woman who, as I said, I am uh, very attracted to, and that is Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Had you ever heard of this movie before, before I posed it to you last month? I might have seen it. I know I've seen Brothers McMullen. I might have seen this like around the time that it came out, not in the theater, but maybe on uh, at home. I might have seen it. It see it all seemed very familiar. Mm. Well, it's kind of a generic title for a movie, especially a romantic comedy. She's the one you probably think there's like ten movies by that name. There's a couple of movies with a similar name, so I thought that oh maybe I've seen this before. Upon watching the movie, I had definitely not seen this movie before. Before I get to my opinion, I just want to say the reviews are pretty good. Rotten Tomatoes, the audience, I mean, the, the critic score is pretty good. The audio score is a bit iffy. But in general, the feedback, positive. I really enjoyed this movie, <laughs> but I didn't think I would. I really didn't think I would. And I think I might have enjoyed it for the wrong reasons. But before I, I'm going to go on a bit about this one. But James, I'll let you go first. After seeing She's the One, what did you think? Uh, it, well, it made me feel like I was in high school again because everything looked very 90s. Yeah. It's pretty good. I wouldn't call it great. It's definitely got a very uh, blue-collar Irish take on what Woody Allen does. I thought the performances were were pretty good across the board except for the main love interest whose name escapes me the the actress who plays her maxine bonds i think is her name um who yeah i'm looking at it now and it's yeah she was edward burns's girlfriend at the time He, she was his girlfriend at the time and if you've got jennifer aniston and cameron diaz in your cast but you make this person who nobody knows your your main female lead it's because you're dating the director interesting i didn't know that. okay 
yeah, she's she's the weak link in the cast. I think she's cute enough, but she's uh, I don't know. She didn't didn't really knock me over. I also was not a huge fan of, and it's not the actor's fault. It's more the way the character was written and per portrayed. That's the character of uh, Francis, the the brother. <laughs> uh, you mean he, Simon? Huh? I said you mean Simon. That's our old co. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm taking the piss. I'll, I'll explain why I said that in a minute. Go on, James. <laughs> yeah, the, the way he—I don't know—the way he played it just really wasn't. Uh, it was, it was like you couldn't sympathize with him at all because he was just a piece of shit. <laughs> and even when they try to give him some depth, you know, you're still like, yeah, 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 but he's just a piece of shit. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it was a like you said a pretty good movie. I always liked Edward Burns. I always thought that he had a pretty good screen presence. Uh, he's very relaxed. He's very charming. Not the greatest actor in the world, but in the same sort of kind of in the way that Keanu Reeves is not a great actor, but he's very watchable. Yeah, uh, I always thought Edward Burns was in that kind of category too. Uh, it's a solid '90s movie. But that's exactly what it is, is it's a 90s movie. And I don't know if you showed it to somebody now, like if you showed it to somebody who was that age when it was made now, I don't think they'd get it at all. I don't think they'd like it. But mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of this is I can. Oh, I, I remember that. <laughs> I remember flannel shirts. <laughs> yep. So that might have had something to do with my enjoyment. I don't think somebody who is 21 years old would like it if we, if they were shown it right now, James, I don't think a whole slew of people would, would <laughs> because this movie is like toxic masculinity, the movie. Yeah. And that's why I like the movie because yep. I, was watching, <laughs> I was watching some of my girlfriend and it is so bad. It is so not cool about yeah. you know everything about being gay is a slur and it's not good. <laughs> well, they keep referring to the younger brother as uh, you know your sister. <laughs> yeah. So it is. It is just pure toxic masculinity. Before I get into my, I'm going to go on about this movie a little bit. Before I do, let me play the little behind the scenes clip I've got of it. It's not very long, about fifty seconds. And then I'll tell you why I had a lot of fun with this one. And action. From the creator of last year's award-winning hit, The Brothers McMullen, director Edward Burns brings you his next motion picture. She's the one. Seven, Charlie, take one. Action. New York romantic comedy. And really kind of takes a look at how these two guys who grew up in the same house uh, under the, the wrath of the same father. Hey, don't get all sensitive on me now, Barbara. Uh, how they became totally different uh, and uh and at the same time why they're they're so much alike how the hell do we have the same blood pumping through our veins and how their upbringing is sort of affected um you know the way they deal with the, their women and their wives well you know i mean to be perfectly honest the idea of you know two women at once seems like you know like a pleasant way to spend an evening but it's funny you know again i like this movie for the wrong reasons it's just i was watching it and the movie is it's a, it's a very inconsequential movie, a very small cast. If I asked you what the plot was, 
even the plot synopsis reading it, I think it's kind of incorrect. People will say it's like a love triangle between two brothers. I know in my mind, this is just a movie about two brothers and how they get along in their lives and how their quirks make them similar, but completely separate at the same time. And their father, but everything that oozes out of the, the younger brother's mouth and the dad's mouth is the definition of toxic masculinity and it just had me on the floor laughing because it's just mean, kind of mean, kind of mean spirited. They're not likable. In fact, nearly all the characters are kind of unlikable, except for Jennifer Aniston and Edward Burns himself. Um, yeah, I like this movie for the wrong reasons. If um, <laughs> comparing this to like a Woody Allen movie, I'm thinking along the lines of Blue Jasmine, you know, yeah. where there's just this really unlikable character, you know, who thinks that they're the shit you know, very similar in that vein. And everyone else around him seems somewhat well-adjusted. Again, that's not really what's going on here. But it's a nice snapshot of life back in the time. The dialogue's really, 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 really good. I think that Edward Burns is oozing with charisma. My biggest disappointment was actually with some of the female characters. Jennifer Aniston doesn't do much in the movie. I was actually waiting for her to do more but apparently, you know, this was her first feature film um, from Friends. And, you know, she wanted to work with Edward Burns because that first movie was apparently so good, people just wanted to work with him. Same thing with Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz is very strong in this movie. Not likable, intentionally not likable, but she owns it. And I really rate her performance for that. And as for the father, uh, the actor's name is behind two screens. But let me just say, he's the actor that was Frasier's father. Uh, John Mahoney. John Mahoney, yes. Yeah, man, he's the king of toxic masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was, a, I mean, look, Irish people bust balls. It's what they do. It's how they show affection. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> so, and especially from like that area, that's all you do. You don't say, I love you. You say, <laughs> you call each other gay and, yeah. and then, and, uh, and then you punch each other in the arm. That's, yep. that's how you say, I love you. Yep. So, um, yeah, especially back then. And you're right. It's funny. Uh, it's funny in a way that you're not really allowed to be funny anymore for better and worse. Yeah. I mean, you know, the fact that you couldn't do this in a movie anymore doesn't mean it doesn't still happen. Yeah. And so people who are in this kind of a family don't see themselves represented because anymore, because it's like, well, we can't say that in a movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, my dad calls me queer all the time. <laughs> so, you know, that's just and, how it and, is. <laughs> it's how it is and um it's definitely archaic in that way but um it's so good natured in that you know you're right it's mean but it's mean in like in a i love you kind of way not in a i want to break you down kind of way. yeah yeah and that's what it's yeah that's what i mean like the, the, it's a thin plot you you there's a twist in it but you kind of see it coming and the way they deal with it is in a, you know, it's in a, in a direct way, which I yeah. appreciated. Um, as for Edward Burns and his love interest, which you've clearly revealed was his girlfriend in real life, it was weird because he seems like kind of the the normal guy, the well-adjusted guy. But at the same time, he's not really ambitious. He's just happy. There's a line where Cameron Diaz says that 
I think a lot of people, his brother, his dad, all the women are kind of criticising him for not wanting much in his life, not wanting to have high aspirations. And there's a part where Cameron Diaz says something to him like, you're the only young white guy Jessica drive in New York. And I yeah. thought that was so hilarious because it's kind of true. I'm like, you're right. In these movies, you always see an Asian guy, a black guy, any other Indian person, guy. Indian yeah. guy, yeah, playing a taxi driver. But this guy, from the minute I was watching this movie, I'm like, why is this young white guy riding the taxi? Just, I've never seen this before. And he got called on it. And I liked that. The, again, there's a, this movie is, um, it just calls everything kind of out. People say what they feel when they really shouldn't because it's not PC. Now, I was just thinking that at the time the movie was made, and from the reviews I read from the time it was released, people thought it was a very fresh movie. You, you know, the whole scene with Jennifer Aniston and the vibrators, you know, people didn't do that shit back then. They didn't really openly talk about it, so it was kind of edgy. And I appreciate that. So when you watch that now in 2023, it's kind of like, wow, this movie is dated, but yes. it's still funny. It's like, this is hilarious how dated, how 90s it is. It all messes well together, funny enough, for me. Well, and it's interesting in that that this uh, Cameron Diaz bringing up, you know, oh, you're, you know, you're just driving a cab. You don't have any ambition. That's never really a problem in the movie. It's Cameron Diaz's problem. It's not Edward Burns' problem. He's sort of like, hey, I just want to do this. Yeah. Well, you know, you should be able, you should be making money, and I'm on Wall Street, and I'm. He's like, yeah, I don't fucking care. Give me my TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's the he he doesn't. By the end of the movie, it's not like, well, I'm going to go back to college, and I'm going to, yeah. you know, uh, or my brother's going to get me a, a a job at his firm, or it's none of that. It's just sort of like this is all I want to do. I just want to do this, and you know, it's just sort of a guy who's adrift, and it's not a problem for him. He's so adrift that he marries a woman he's known for 12 hours. Yeah. And I thought as the movie went along that eventually that would be like the, uh, you know, we, you know, their reality would set in. Like it would be, oh, well, we, you know, we, uh, we rushed it, you know, and they don't end up together or something like that. And instead it was like, nope, even that was a good decision. Uh, And it's a little bit iffy that the director is the one playing that character. Like, yeah, I wrote this part for me where I'm right about everything, <laughs> but it's, it's still uh, refreshing to see the movie, not put the emphasis on him being financially successful. Yeah. And I like the fact that he is that unapologetic, but he doesn't look down on people. He's just living his life and, I, I think I relate to Samir a bit more because I have friends and brothers like that. Like, I grew up in that alpha male toxic environment and, you know, my friends didn't, didn't, they weren't being mean because they wanted to hurt me. They were being mean because that was just the environment. That's just how it was. And when you watch this movie, it's like, it's not apologizing for anything. There's no character in this movie that does a 180 or 360 at all they are who they are from beginning to the end that was a fresh thing about the movie and it was unapologetic with everything it was doing now there was a bit near the end where cameron diaz again not i'm not going to spoil much about this movie there's not much to spoil but again if you're going to watch it i won't spoil this part cameron diaz and edward burns are not friendly really in this movie 
But there's a part where I thought they were going to take a really sharp right turn. There was a point they were looking at each other at the end, and I thought, no fucking way. No, don't do it. Don't. And they didn't. But they it was it was a very weird scene, and it actually made me appreciate the fact this movie is just no BS. These people are un- unapologetically not great. Yeah. <laughs> saying all this crazy shit. Jennifer Aniston was a bit of a disappointment because I thought, oh, you know, first role, she's going to break out of that. She was really, she didn't have a lot of screen time, to my surprise, but she had one line that had me on the floor laughing. I, okay. I'll tell you what it was after. It, basically, she confronted her husband about something <laughs> that he had done and she assumed something about him that was, it was a great joke. It was a... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say it, but it was so funny. It was so... It broke... It, to be honest with you, I had all this... All this tension was building up with this fucking younger brother and the stupidness he was doing and how it was going to fall back on Jennifer Aniston. And when it was coming to a head, there was a joke that just deflated the whole thing. So... And by the end of the movie, I came away thinking, you know what? Again, it's not an ambitious movie. It doesn't do anything special. But the characters, are, to me, they all have their own charisma. You know, they're unapologetic, which I said a hundred times. And the movie just is what it is. And it was actually refreshing. Now, my, my, my biggest kind of awkward takeaway, and James, maybe you can help me with this, was I was thinking, why is this movie called She's the One? It's named after a Bruce Springsteen song. Oh, well, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> it doesn't really make a lot of sense as the title. But apparently Edward Burns was just like, I like that Springsteen song. I'm going to make a movie called She's the One. Well, thank you. Well, there you go. I couldn't I couldn't connect the dots with that at all. But Yeah, it's it, and it's funny because Bruce Springsteen's song isn't on the soundtrack. Uh, the soundtrack is all Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's also was also a little bit interesting to see somebody who was clearly inspired by Woody Allen, but when it came to picking the music, they were like, "Yeah, I'm not going to do like a bunch of jazz or, you know, let's let's get Tom Petty." And my only, you know, comparing this against Woody Allen, I actually do think Woody Allen would basically do what he did in Blue Jasmine and make the character, especially one of the characters either get what's coming to them or have a redemption because I think he tends to do that to make it full circle. But this movie just didn't really do that at all. Well, it, I guess it kind of did, but it didn't feel that way. And I think Woody would have hit that point at the end a lot harder, which might have made it more memorable. But again, I found it refreshing that it didn't actually end in the way I thought it was going to. It kind of just was like, no, no, this is life. This is just normal life. And people are going to do shitty things. They're going to be how they're going to be. And, you know, some people are just going to be bad and it is what it is, which I actually liked. Yeah, the the, the brother kind of got a little bit of a comeuppance. Cameron Diaz, you just, I think that uh, at least the way I read it at the end was this is like, yep, she's going to be miserable, but she's going to be rich and that's all she cares about. She's a bitch. <laughs> yeah. And she's a gold digger and that's all she was interested in. Yeah. The brother to me was the the most 
I found him repulsive as a yeah. character, personally. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and at the end, when it's sort of like, yeah, but he, you know, he's still kind of a good guy. It's like, no, he's an asshole. No, <laughs> he's a complete asshole. He is an asshole to the T. And I called him Simon because he reminded me so much of Simon. I know, Simon, if you're hearing this, you're going to say fuck you, which is fine. <laughs> I have to call it as I see it. Anyone who knows Simon, he watches me like, this guy is Simon Simeon Rats, my old co-host. And I was like, I miss that guy. <laughs> it is, yeah, but I mean, I'm doing him. I'm doing him a bit of a disservice because this guy, this movie, is an asshole. And the kind of the justification they tried to feed you from it, I'm like, listen, I've heard brothers and cousins kind of bring the excuse, and it's just nonsense. You're just, you're just a shitty person. Don't try to blame it on other people. Or act like this. some people use people for their own bad behavior. They use other people's excuse. And it, it, that's why in this movie, I actually liked what happened. Because I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it it was refreshing. It was. And it's it's funny, such an old movie would still be refreshing. But let me be a little bit, I'm being very nice to the movie. Let me just be a bit, a bit critical. Yes. The movie doesn't look like anything special. I mean, cinematography-wise, it you know, it, it, it just, it, it's paint by numbers, in my opinion. The soundtrack... Apart from um, the musical guest who does the soundtrack as well, it's it's not memorable at all. This movie just seems very. Um, it just seems like it's kind of there. You're there for the the ride of the characters, their dialogue. You meet these guys, you meet these people. You, you're in their lives for a bit, and you're out. But there's no finesse with any with any of the separate elements. None of the prestige. Woody Allen would do because with Woody Allen you remember the music you remember the cinematography Edward Burns does focuses on I guess the, the characters and the core and the dialogue which is good everything else to me is kind of forgettable which is a little bit disappointing yeah and I you know I I didn't think that the you, you brought up Jennifer Aniston she's cute in it she's not particularly good I hate to say anything against Cameron Diaz because I went to school with Cameron Diaz. No way! I well, I was in kindergarten; she was in first in fifth grade. Uh, so uh, I never saw Cameron Diaz, <laughs> but I know that we went to school. We were in the same school at the same time. But her character is very one note. She, like you said, she's a bitch. That's her. That's her character. Even some things that they could have brought up to make us sympathize with her a little bit more like the fact that when she she worked her way through college by uh being a prostitute yeah that's used more as a slight instead of using it as you know because at one point edward burns uses it against her yeah and you could have used that as a way to sort of have her say well you know i did that and i'm I had these horrible experiences or I, well, you know, however she felt about it. Uh, I did it cause I had to, instead it's just sort of like, yeah, that's what I did. And they make it almost sound like she didn't really have to do it. She's just sort of like, fuck it. I'll just use men or yep. whatever. So yeah, the three female leads are the weakest link in the movie to me. Edward Burns is much better at writing men yeah. than he is about at writing women. Sure. Uh, which is really like the big difference between him and Woody, because Woody has yeah. always been good about writing women. Yeah. This was, like you said, it was, 
it all it paid lip service i felt like to the idea that for instance the conflict that arises between burns and his wife is she hasn't told him that she could possibly be moving to Paris. That's ridiculous. I forgot about that. <laughs> and then you're supposed to go, oh, he's being an asshole because he just he doesn't just drop everything. Yeah. The second that she says that. And it's like, it, it, you know, it's even, you get the feeling like it's, it's him trying to make that a thing. But really, I was watching it going, this is a man being completely reasonable. <laughs> this is a man going, we married each other after knowing each other for 12 hours. And now you want me to give up my whole life and move to another country. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, and it, that, but you, you get the, you know, Leslie Mann who plays the, the wife's uh, friend, friend. She's sort of like, you blew it. You're an asshole. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. You're what, is, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like it literally was, she's keeping it from him the whole time. Yeah. And then when she knows that she's going, she's like, so we're going to France. And he's like, what? And she goes, oh, you weren't immediately supportive. Yeah. So I guess we're divorcing. I, I, will, I will say this. I was glad that it didn't get too melodramatic with that, because if it did, I would have hated the movie. But she, her disappointment just seemed, as you just said, it seemed very surprising that What's what do you expect from him? <laughs> I don't even think he said no. He didn't. I think he just wasn't immediately enthusiastic. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, she she takes that as well. I guess we're not meant to be together. Yeah. It's like no, apparently we're not because you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> well, she was. You. I mean, yeah. Really, been lying to him the whole movie, at least by omission. If they made a sequel, those two people are not together still. I, I do feel like there was a spark of chemistry between them, but as you illustrated now, it's from real life. <laughs> yeah. Not from the movie. I honestly, of the three, I thought Jennifer Aniston was, she at least was playing a nice person. Yeah. And and you felt bad for her with what she was being put through in the movie. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, which she did not deserve. There was no hint of like, oh, well, he's cheating on her and doesn't want to have sex with her because of anything that's wrong with her it's everything that's wrong with him and i was glad at the i was very worried at the if the movie had ended with the two of them getting back together i would have hated the movie so i'm glad that at the end of the movie she was like no you're you're a complete piece of shit and you can't treat me that way and we're done yeah and that has nothing to do with the fact that i am super attracted to jennifer aniston <laughs> And to clarify, she is the only woman I have ever had a sex dream about where I've actually had sex with her in the dream. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's always like I wake up 10 seconds into it because I'm like, Ooh, this is hot. And then I'm awake. Uh, (laughs) And I, I had no interest in Jennifer Aniston before. I don't know why I had that dream, but I woke up the next day going, yeah, Jennifer Aniston is pretty fucking hot. (laughs) (laughs) Was this before you were studying to be a priest or after? (laughs) Uh, <laughs> this was after. Uh, okay, I don't. It was like Bruce Almighty era yeah. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's she's a good person in the movie, and I'm glad that they made her. They gave her some pride, and they 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 had her say, "No, 
I'm trying to save my marriage. I want to save my marriage. Oh, wait, he's doing what? No, we're done. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I know you're giving a pots, but it's just the, you know, you've illuminated something to me because now I've got to be really critical. <sighs> he didn't do a good job with the female characters writing them at all, at all, because not at all. Perfectly honest with you, Jennifer Aniston is being led on, and anyone with two—I don't care if it was 1996 or 1986—yeah, anyone with two eyes and two ears will know what the fuck is going on. It makes no yeah. sense, and when it. When it is told to her, she still doesn't quite get it, which is hilarious. Don't get me wrong, but it's absolutely unbelievable. <sighs> Cameron Diaz, I really like the fact that she's unapolog unapologetically unlikable in this movie. But at the same time, as you said, the thing they write to kind of give her a little bit of depth, I kind of felt like um, it could have been written in a bit of a more sophisticated way. It didn't actually have to be everyone's just terrible. No. So you are actually right. And his wife that he married within a week or, or within sorry, 12 hours is definitely the weakest link. I completely basically forgot she exists. Out of the three, her and Jennifer Anderson have almost equal screen time, which is almost none, really, in my mind. You, you really could have. I mean, you had Leslie Mann there. Leslie Mann has a little bit more bite to her. Yeah. If they'd made her the girlfriend, she could have challenged Edward Burns a little bit more. And instead, they, his, who, I don't know if his, <laughs> I don't think they're together anymore. I don't think she's had a whole, much of a career. Mm. Uh, out, you know, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, she's, she's not had much of a career. Mm. Uh, it almost feels like he met her and she was studying acting at the time. And he was like, oh, I'm making a movie. I'll put you in the lead. It's not much of a lead, though, if I'm being honest. <laughs> it's not much of a lead. Really, the only characters that I thought... I liked Edward Burns' character. I liked the fact that he was, to use your word, unapologetic about, uh, this is my life, and I, I like it. And they didn't even... They, it seemed like they were going to go, that he was still kind of hung up on Cameron Diaz, but they never really went that way. Jennifer Aniston was a nice, uh, played a nice character, if not particularly interesting. And I liked the father. I liked uh, John Mahoney. He he was the one that stood out to me the most. He made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. And he, he you know, as sort of toxic as he is, he made me go. Oh, I kind of wish my dad had a little bit more of that in him. <laughs> my dad did. I had an African dad. And my dad was an African version of him. 100%. So I was like, wow, I'm glad I'm seeing this on TV because I lived it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It could, it, 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 I can see definitely the, the, the advantages of having a dad who would say to you, okay, come on outside, Nancy. We're going to throw the ball around. <laughs> I, I could see that. And at the end, what happens to him? Again, it's just comedy. You can't take any of this seriously. Because what happens to him with his wife is like, yeah, yeah. And I did the, the another thing that I did feel like, and they do this with if a character is Irish or Italian in a movie, mm. and they never follow, and and the, they're cheating on somebody, they never follow up on like the dad is like, don't disrespect the church. Your son's having an affair, and you know it, and you're sort of like, oh, I don't approve, but whatever. 
He's not religious as well, but he even that was the thing. he said I'm not religious anyway. <laughs> that no. was. He was like, but he kept wagging his finger and saying, "Don't, yeah. don't disrespect the church." Yeah, and there's never any sort of there should be a little bit more Catholic guilt in there, and there never really is in these movies. It's just sort of like, it, and it goes along with okay, I will use the term toxic masculinity. It goes along with that sort of, I can do what I want. I can just do what I want. And it's not <laughs> not addressed particularly. I mean the brother definitely kind of gets his come up it's a little bit. Yeah. But uh, you know, it you don't you don't get the feeling like he's not going to immediately just do the same thing with another woman. Yeah. I mean the brother is his own worst enemy. He is definitely his own worst enemy. So I'm like he doesn't need his come up this guy's a fuck up. He is so, and and you know he's rubbing his success in his brother's face, but and they give they give him a little bit of depth in that, you know the father brings up to Edward Burns, you know, yeah. hey look he looked up to you, like you're his big brother. He looked up to you. He's he's showing off for you, you know. He wants to show like hey look look how successful I am, in part, I'm sure to rub it in his face, but in part to just go hey look. Look, aren't you proud of me? Look how good I, I turned out. The way he goes about it is dis- disgusting, though. He comes this It's disgusting. See, yo, this, I'm like, and here's the thing. I can, I have to jump in there and say, I can relate to that because I had family members that did the same thing. I would be like, this is what he does is torment me. All he does, does, why does he even come here? And there's one part where Edward Burns like, I can't believe you have the same blood. You come to my house, you talk shit to me. Like, what are you doing? But you can tell that it goes past that. And, Again, I'm in a I'm in a relationship with brothers like that. That they are absolute fucking assholes. But <laughs> but beyond the assholeness, there's still love there, you know. And these two brothers, you know, they're gonna love each other no matter what. And again, one of them is self-destructive, whether they know it or not. So you feel like one of them's gonna be there. The older one's gonna be there for the younger one, no matter what. Which is again something I can relate to. And again, I feel like I'm a little bit biased because a lot of this just sings to my upbringing and toxic masculinity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's. I mean, I like I I liked that the idea was, hey, we're we're family, and you're kind of an asshole, but I still love you. And they kind of reconcile that at the end a little bit. But again, I never got. I didn't get the feeling that anybody in the movie grew at all. No. Uh, I mean, even even Edward. They go out the same. (laughs) Yeah. Even Edward Burns' character, because you get the, uh, you know, uh, apparently he probably will be going off to Paris with her. Uh, I guarantee you, like a year later, he's driving a cab. Yep, back in Boston, like he's he's like, yeah, this this was a mistake. I'm going mm-hmm. home. So that that did that was sort of a, like I was, I liked the idea more because I saw it coming when they they were like, we're going to go out on the boat. I'm like, she's going to be on the boat. Yeah, but if the movie had just ended with like the dad and the, the his two sons, and they're all they've all been left by their women at yeah. this point. I think that would have been a better ending. Instead, the person who really, I mean, as much as Edward Burns is sort of doesn't judge his character at all. I judged his character. I was like, you picked up a woman in your cab and you were married to her 12 hours later. You're a fucking moron. Yeah. Um, as you, you just said, we all know how it's going to end as you just yeah. said. 
And they sh- that I wish that they, they had just addressed. Instead, it was like, no, this was fate. And it's like, fuck you. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You're an idiot. You, you know, you're, I mean, I don't think he was still hung up on Cameron Diaz, but I think he was still kind of rebounding from her. Yeah. Um, like he, he hadn't dated, he, you know, avoided uh, being with anybody else because he just, he was over her, but it was like, he was still wounded. So this was in a way his rebound and he married her after 12 hours. And that's dumb. And mm-hmm. the, it's never really shown to be dumb. And I that would have, I think, upped the movie a little bit for me as if at the end of the movie, he was like, well, you know, I'm, I don't regret, I don't regret it happening. You know, she's not a bad person. It got me out of my slump, but this wasn't the right way to go. And instead it's like, no, it was true love. And I didn't really, their chemistry was fine. Yeah. But I never got the feeling like, oh, these two are meant to be together. I, I I partly agree with you and I partly disagree. I agree with you. I think they made a stupid mistake. And I think if we came back to their lives, they are not together. And he's driving that cab and he's just like, yeah, you know, I broke up with this girl who cheated on me and I married a girl in 12 hours and now I'm driving. It just seems like this is the guy's life. But I get what you wanted. And I do think it would have been a stronger movie if they added a little bit of that. Maybe a little epilogue. Yeah. Set a year later or something. Yeah. Um, I think that would have been very good, actually. I, I, I put it this way. What Edward Burns needed, if he was really going to pull that off, he needed his Diane Keaton. Ooh. He needed that. Because I, it's the, I, I, you know, and I'm not shitting on Mia Farrow when I say this, even though I think Mia Farrow's an awful human being. But mm-hmm. I never got a strong sense in any of the movies that she did with Woody that they were ever meant to be together husbands and wives i was like yeah they're they're broken up of course they are they they look miserable together whereas woody with diane keaton i was always like oh these two these two people should absolutely be together maybe the worst decision of woody allen's entire life was not staying with diane keaton and and marrying mia farrow but um yeah this was this was she was not his diane keaton she was not like you didn't you didn't get the feeling like they were in sync at any point he's mm-hmm. sort of complaining about her apartment being too small and you know all this stuff he's he's got you know it just felt really it felt like the director cast his girlfriend <laughs> and that's exactly what it was like i, I we're sitting here and we first started talking and i was like yeah i don't really know what else she's been in and i kind of i thought was she just his girlfriend? And then I checked. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's what, that's what it is." He was. She. They were just dating, and she was like, "Put me in your movie." <laughs> you know what, man? I'm glad. I didn't, I'm glad I didn't know this before we started recording because that I feel like that would have put a much harsher spin on me on the movie if I knew that. Um, yeah, I'm glad I found out after. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have much more to say. Again, I said it right at the beginning. I, I think I like this movie for the wrong reasons. But I still think it's refreshing. I don't think this movie's for everyone. I don't think a lot of people are going to like this. I think a lot of people that watch it today are going to say this is toxic masculinity, the movie. Um, I read some reviews where they said that um, people show, they think he's a, um, a chauvinist or whatever, uh, Ed Burns. 
I love the potential I see here. And the epiphany, well, not the epiphany, the thing you brought up, which is great, which I do think is that he's a good male director. So I am looking very much forward to going back to watching the Brothers McMillan, which we will, and going forward to watch the other movie, which I forgot the name of, and completing this Long Island trilogy. And yeah, again, it's not this movie is not for everyone. I can only tell you that I enjoyed it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and female characters are definitely wanting, and Woody probably would have made this a much more fully rounded movie. And I, I don't think he would have been as harsh. I don't think the male characters wouldn't have been as toxic as well. No, it, 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 what he would have done it, it wouldn't have been Irish. It would have been maybe more Jewish. And the women would have been right in the movie. We wouldn't we wouldn't be saying, I think they wanted me to think she was right, but I never did. And we'd be saying, yeah, she was right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So that is it. I don't want to drag this one out much more because we are now today we're working on a bit of a time crunch because the soft the platform we're using has put a little restriction on us so i'm gonna wrap this up now <laughs> next time because the movie we did before la saw was your pick this was a viewer pick and now we're back to my pick for our next discussion i'm picking a movie with one of my favorite actors of all time who is a world famous actor now because he's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a pivotal point. I'm talking about Robert Downey Jr. I'm talking about a movie that Ricky Gervais kind of took jabs at Robert Downey. At the, uh, one of the Golden Globes where Ricky Gervais would be in the prick. He always <laughs> in everyone in the audience. He was, and thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, true, true. Some of them need to be picked down the peg, but. He picked up Robert Downey Jr. and made a list of some movies that he said are stinkers. But that's one of those movies is our next movie, which sounds, the name of this movie sounds like a pornography movie, but it is not. The next movie we're going to be talking about is Two Girls and a Guy. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that movie, James? I have, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good wow. call. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie, man. I'll just say you right now. I really do love that movie. And we're going to talk about it next month and you'll find out why. Oh, you know what? I'm going to rewatch it and maybe my opinion will change. And James will rewatch it. It's been a long time, but yeah, I do remember enjoying that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's our next one up. James, where can the people get in contact with you if they want to do so? You can always find me at manic-expression.com or on the Manic Expression YouTube channel. And uh, my books are all available on Amazon, including my novel, Don Giovanni. Yep. We've got a link tree link down below where you can click and just reach all of our links. James's books, our socials, the YouTube channel for Manic Expression, Planet Tyro. But I do want to give a massive shout out because... Every single week now, which is really cool, I'm going to do a little ego stroke. I'm getting contacted by someone who's found the podcast and given us a lot of praise. And I want to say thank you so much for listening. If you want to help the show, leave a review. Whether you're listening to you on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Audible, we're on pretty much every Audible platform I could pull it through. So leave a review on there. And yeah, share, like, if you can find it in your wallet to contribute, we've got methods of doing that, which again will be in the link tree. I don't want to promote that too much, but more than anything, if you could share, 
the podcast with someone you know, someone you might think might like it, and leave us a review. That's going to go the longest way. So thank you for listening. Thank you for reaching out whenever you listen. I really do appreciate it, especially when you find me on Facebook somehow, which many people have. Thank you so much. And yeah, James, have you got anything else to say before I wrap up? Yeah, Jennifer, call me. <laughs> uh, you know she's doing an- I saw her doing another movie with Be- uh, Bella. who's that I can't remember Adam Sandler she's doing a murder I was like come on you're better yeah. than this Murder Mystery yeah. 2 with Adam Sandler ah oh. <laughs> the first one was god awful I watched it in the background and I ain't watching that second one so yeah <laughs> but anyway Jennifer Anderson does a lot of good content with you know but she has to throw a bone and do some bullshit sometimes like everyone else so get that money Jenny get that money <laughs> <laughs> on that note I'm going to get the head out of here thank you for listening thank you James as always we'll see you guys on the next recording <laughs>